Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Electric Factory Podcast. It's only our second episode, but we already got our first special guest on the show. My good friend Liam O'Malley is here to talk football with us. Liam, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's awesome. All right, let's jump right into it. We got a lot of football coming up this weekend, and we're going to start with the national championship game on Monday night. Uh, Liam, what do you think TCU has to do to to pull off this upset? Um, I mean, I think they got to they've got to just play the way they did against Michigan. They got to play, they got to capitalize on every um, Georgia every single mistake Georgia makes. You know, they got to use their speed with their receivers, which I honestly was. I listened to your first episode, and I agree. I was not expecting that to see that big of a gap between TCU and Michigan. Like that was kind of crazy. Don't like. But, um, yeah, I think they've just got to make sure they can control when like, when they have their opportunities they need to take advantage. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think the key for them is to start fast like they did against the Michigan team. They've been known for their comebacks all season long. Yeah, but yeah it's kind of funny. It's a lot harder to come back against a superior team like Georgia. So they've, I think they got to get a lead in the first half and if they want to win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I really agree. Definitely want to get the ball to Quentin Johnston, like you said. He's a first-round pick, and a lot of people are saying that um, TCU doesn't have the all-around athletes to compete with Georgia, but this is one guy that definitely can, so I think he's someone that they should definitely try and get the ball to. Yep. And then um, winning the turnover battle is going to be crucial for them, too. They had two pick-sixes in the Michigan game, and I'm not sure if they're going to be able to repeat that but they definitely have to force Bennett into some tough positions and make him make some throws that he wouldn't necessarily want to make yeah um another thing is taking away the underneath routes because Bennett while I did praise him in my last episode he's still not the strongest arm quarterback Mm -hmm. so I think they got to make him go over the top and try and try and make him make some some big throws and take away um Brock Bowers in the in the check down yeah, I was a little yeah. Bowers kind of surprised me in the Ohio State game. I thought he was gonna make a little bit. I mean, he he played well, but he didn't do anything incredible. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like that might not stay the same here this Monday. Yeah, what do you think about Max Duggan? What do you think he's gonna do in the game? You know, so his game against Michigan, I just thought. I I think. He, I think Georgia will get more pressure than Michigan did. I mean, Michigan had a decent amount of pressure, but not, like, anything ridiculous. So I think Duggan's going to have to run. Like, um, but Georgia has that good run defense, so who knows? I mean, if if he can get the ball out quick and when, when he has a pocket, deliver it, I think he'll ball out. But, I mean, there's no defense like Georgia's in the country, so he's going to have a tough challenge regardless. For sure, and I think if he if they're going to win this game, he's going to have to use his legs because Georgia's yeah. only allowing 77 yards per game rushing. So yeah. I think they need to get unconventional to kind of break that trend if they're going to try and hand it off, especially with Kendra Miller being questionable for the game. I don't mm-hmm. think that's going to work as well as it would if Duggan kind of escapes the pocket and makes it work on his own. Yeah, I completely agree. Um. Georgia-wise, I think for them, it's just important for them to play the game that they've been playing all season. There's a reason they're 14-point favorites going in. And 
they just have to really – I think if they control the game, they can't let TCU get any big big hitter touchdowns like Michigan did all game. If they just control the pace of the game and kind of not necessarily yoke the clock, but just keep the ball on the ground for a majority of the game and, and play their game, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, like um... – like we were talking about how TCU needs to take advantage of mistakes. Georgia just needs to limit mistakes, and they should be. I mean, Vegas doesn't think it's going to be too close, so I think they got to just limit mistakes, and they'll be fine. Right. TCU's defense gives up nearly 400 yards per game. That's probably one of the worst. Big 12, the... Big 12 defense for you. Yeah, for sure. 235 in the air, one on, 149 on the ground, so that's definitely favors a balanced attack for Georgia. There's not really one thing that they're going to have to focus on more than the rest, which is definitely the kind of game they want to play. Yep. Uh, you got a score prediction for this game? Um, I think they'll hang around. I think it'll be within a score at halftime, but I'd say I'll go 35-17 Georgia. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. I think TCU hangs around longer than people think because that's pretty much what they've done all season. They've been undefeated, and yeah. people thought they were going to fall out. So I think they hang around. I think Georgia puts together a late drive, either gets a field goal or a touchdown. But I am going to take TCU in the points at 14, uh, yeah. and I'll take Georgia to win 31-20. All right, yeah, I like it. I mean, yeah, TCU is kind of just – one of those outliers that, like, everybody's like, oh, they shouldn't be in the playoff. But, you know, they got in and they actually won. So, I mean, that ba- – what was that? That Baylor finish where they just fired – Yeah, they the ran the kicker out. The goal team. That was – yeah. That was insane. That was um, All right, so quick little segment there on college football. We both got Georgia to win. Let's shift over to the NFL because there's a lot of high-stakes games coming up this weekend. And let's start with the one tonight, uh, Titans-Jags. Titans are coming in on a six-game losing streak, which is not the kind of momentum you want to bring into a must-win game. And Jacksonville's won four or five, so uh, Jacksonville definitely uh, wins the momentum matchup. What do you think of uh, the starting quarterback for Tennessee? You know, so the Dallas game, he honestly played all right, but it's just I don't think it's going to be enough at all. Jacksonville... Jacksonville's been pretty good other than that Lions game. I mean, that's the only game they've lost in their last five, right? Yeah, it is. And yeah. and that was a game that I don't believe Travis Etienne played in. So, Yeah, and Lawrence was got hurt at the end of the first half. I mean, the Lions kind of had that in control by the end of the first half, but Lawrence got banged up. So I, I Dobbs is all right, but the Titans don't really have, like, a playmaker other than Derrick Henry. So... I don't know. I don't think he'll do enough for Tennessee to win. Yeah, I agree 100%. If I'm ten, if I'm Jacksonville, I'm going to pack the box and I'm going to force Dobbs to beat me because he already doesn't have a strong wide receiver core because they trade away A.J. Brown. And then on top of that, probably their number one deep threat, Traylon Burks, is questionable. He's so see that. There's a re- wow. I mean, Dobbs has been in the league for a while, but there's a reason this is only his second career start. Second start he's, yeah. he's just not, not that good, so... I, I just think if, unless Henry has one of those titanic games, which we've seen him have, mm-hmm. I, I don't see a way that Tennessee wins this game, especially in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, a lot of his big games are in the division too, so we'll see. But I don't know. I, I'd i say uh, I think Jacksonville is going to – what's the line? Uh, uh, my, Jacksonville minus six and a half. Yeah. Um. 
I, I think the most important position in NFL is quarterback, and oh, most fine. of the times you can pick a game ma- based on the quarterback matchup. So I think I think Jacksonville wins this game, but I do think Tennessee keeps it close because I'm not entirely sold on Jacksonville being being like one of these playoff teams that can win a game in the playoffs. So yeah. I think I think Henry keeps them in the game, but when it comes down to it, you're going to get in the final minute where you're going to need to throw the ball, and I just don't think Dobbs exactly. can handle that. No, nope, I was so, just going to say, I mean, even if – Henry's playing well. I still they're they're gonna need to throw it eventually, and yeah. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Tennessee plus six and a half, but I think Jacksonville wins twenty four twenty. How about you? Really? Uh, I don't have a score, but I don't have a specific score, but I'd say I think Jacksonville covers. It's in Jacksonville, correct? Yes. Yeah, dude. I think they're. I think Lawrence is gonna be a star. Like he's already pretty good. I think next year he's gonna have like a huge year. So I think Jacksonville probably wins that by ten. Yeah, something to look for is that Lawrence is looking to go over 4,000 yards in this game, which would be a great uh, sophomore season. Yes, and everybody almost jumped off his bandwagon after one half year of Urban Meyer. Yeah, I know. You can't can't blame him in that situation. Terrible. All right, let's go over to the fight for the last wild card spot in the AFC. You've got the Dolphins playing the Jets, the Patriots and the Bills, and the Steelers and the Browns. Uh, I'm just going to run through the clinching scenarios here real quick. Uh, for Patriots, it's win and you're in. Dolphins are in with a win and a Pats loss. And the Steelers need to win, and they need losses from both the Patriots and the Dolphins. So I think the bad news for New England here is that the Bills still have something to play for. They're still in the mix for the one seed, so no one's going to be resting. And they're also going to come out super motivated to play for DeMar Hamlin and get a win for him. What do you think? Sorry. Uh, the Patriots' offensive coordinator is Matt Patricia. Like, they're, they're not. No. They're not going to win. The Bills <laughs> The Bills are, yeah, they're coming out with Hamlin on their minds. They're going to. And, yeah, they're still trying to get that seat. Do they? Yeah. From Kansas City and all this stuff and home field advantage. But, yeah, it's going to be Buffalo, I think. Yeah, um, New England, I just don't think New England has the home run ball to keep up with Buffalo. They need to win the game one way. They need to control the clock, and it really needs to be a low-scoring game, and Buffalo doesn't get into low-scoring games. So I think Buffalo Buffalo wins this game. I'm going to take the Bills and the points, minus 7. I think they win 35-17. Really? I'm surprised. That's only a 7-point line. Yeah, I would definitely take Buffalo. I'll go... Dude, I might go like 31 to 10 or something, like a big one. Yeah, none of us have much faith in New England this week, which is uh, definitely a fall from grace from where they have been in the previous decade. I mean, I don't know how you really could have a lot of faith in them, though. You watch them play. I don't know. Yeah, Liam Liam being a Lions fan, he knows a lot about Matt Patricia. Yes, dude, and he was t- he was supposed to be a defensive guru. He's terrible at defense, and Belichick's like, screw it. Let's bring him in on offense, and he's just like, what? It made no sense, but yeah. All right, uh, moving on to the Dolphins and the Jets. This is probably, this is might be the most interesting matchup of the week, considering you have two third-string quarterbacks starting this game, mm-hmm. Joe Flacco versus Skylar Thompson. Is uh is White hurt or are they just benching? I I think that White is like 
he could go, but they don't really have anything to play for anymore. They're not going to risk him getting hurt anymore since they're already eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah, um, that. and the Jets. I mean, they've lost. They were seven and four. They're now like seven and eight. They've fall. They're seven and nine. They've completely fallen apart. Um, but the Dolphins are starting Skylar Thompson, so I think this game's such a toss up. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get from either of these quarterbacks. Yeah, I. Those. I mean, like you mentioned, me being a Lions fan, so I was watching that Jets uh, Seahawks game because we need the Seahawks to lose, and they just. I don't know. The Jets are hurting right now and uh, dude i don't even skylar thompson like who i'm sorry who is that yeah he, he was kind of a star in the preseason he made some noise because he had a great preseason but he started i think he started a game earlier this season he was just he's just not a, not not an nfl caliber quarterback but like... the one thing i will say is that the jets while their offense has been atrocious these past couple weeks their amazing defense is i think it's still going to pose a heck of a problem for thompson because he's like i said it's only a second career start mm-hmm. so i think that uh sauce gardner and company are definitely gonna gonna limit uh the dolphins offensive production even with hill and waddle playing yeah no i that's fair and i mean i just want to bring up like the dolphins have kind of fallen like the jets fell from what seven and four to seven and nine but Dolphins, like, not that long ago, people were talking about them being, like, a top-five team in the league, and now they're hurting, and they're struggling to get in the playoffs. They're also on a five-game losing streak. They were 8-3, and three, and yeah, now they're they down, to, three, right? down yeah. to 500 at 8-8. Eight and eight, mm-hmm. So, definitely a tall order for them to even, even if they do get in, it's going to be a tall order for them to win a playoff game. And uh, Joe Flacco, while he's, I don't know if he's, he, I mean, I do know he's not good anymore. He's definitely got the experience and the poise that Thompson doesn't have. Yeah. So I think I'm going to take the Jets and the points here. Jets plus three and a half. And I think the Jets win this game outright 17-14 in a low-scoring game filled with a lot of mistakes. Wow. Um, wow. That would be sad for the Dolphins. That would be a sad ending for the Dolphins. But I, I'll probably take. Miami, but yeah, it's gonna be low. I'll go twenty-one to. We'll go sixteen. There'll be some weird two-point try or something <laughs> from New York. All right, and then the final game in this kind of three-game mix is um, the Browns and the Steelers. Pittsburgh has come out of absolutely nowhere. People left them dead in the water. They've now won four of their last five, and. They're going into Cleveland with their playoff hopes uh, still alive. What have you seen from uh, Kenny Pickett lately, Liam? Well, the uh, that last drive against Baltimore, I okay. So the whole game, I was like, okay, whatever, just average, average to below average quarterbacking game from Pickett. And then that last drive, he just turned into like Mahomes. Like that last drive, he was unbelievable in my opinion. Right, yeah, that throw he made to Harris to... Yes, and he was escaping pressure and making plays. So, I don't know. It seems like the Steelers are always just right there with Tomlin every year. They're, like, never amazing recently, but they're never, like, terrible. And people thought they were finally terrible, and now they're right here trying to make the playoffs. So Yeah, the crazy thing that everyone, the stat always, everyone always uses about Tomlin is that he's never had a losing season, and now... Yeah. Here he is, 8-8, eight and eight, with a chance to keep that streak alive. And mm-hmm. one note on the Browns is that they've kind of struggled to find their groove with Watson, which I guess to be expected, considering he didn't play the first 11 games. They're averaging 
only 18 points per game in their last three. And they also really have nothing to play for. Yeah. So I think Pittsburgh wins this game. And, and with my previous picks, that, that means that Pittsburgh sneaks into the playoffs. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh and the points at minus two and a half. Uh, Pittsburgh wins 27 to 10. Okay. Okay. Um, I'd say, yeah, I, I, the Browns are one of the teams I've seen the least of this year, but it's kind of just because they're irrelevant. But, yeah, I'd say Steelers take that. I think, what would you have, 27 to? 27-20. I think it's going to be a little lower than that. I'd go 21. I'll just go 21-14. All right, so uh, to recap with our picks, I with my scenario, I have Pittsburgh getting that final spot, and Liam has the Dolphins Miami. getting in at 9-8 and eight mm-hmm. with the tiebreaker over Pittsburgh because they would both be 9-8. and eight. Um, And then finally, we got, we're going to go to the, final, the race for the final uh, wild card spot in the NFC. That is uh, – Seattle, Detroit, and Green Bay are all up for it. Seattle's got the Rams this week, and Detroit and Green Bay play each other in the game of the week, Sunday Night Football, at Lambeau. Uh, So I think an interesting note in this game is that while the Rams are eliminated, Baker is still playing for a job somewhere next season, so he's going to come out. He's going to want to win this game. He's going to prove his worth, really. I've always been a big Baker fan and believer. I thought... I really I thought Cleveland made a mistake when they moved off him. I know I was in the minority there. Uh, what do you think about the way Baker's played since he got to LA, Liam? No, you know what? I've always been with you. Honestly, I kind of like Baker. Like college, he was kind of like you know a douche, but NFL, everyone just quick to rag on him. And I thought they could have definitely stayed with him, but he's been I don't know. He's been all he's been good, but like. Who knows if they'll act, who will give him a job because the Rams still have Stafford in line. But I don't know. I think I think he'll play well. I think he'll play well. Seattle's defense is okay. It's not – I mean, it's kind of bad, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Baker won a playoff game in Cleveland. That's – I mean, how many quarterbacks can say that? Not many, if not many. any at all, in the last, what, 25 years? So I think Baker's going to come out. He played a great game on Christmas Day. He had that game where he they didn't punt the entire game and they mm-hmm. blew out uh, the Raiders, I believe it was. So, yeah, I think Baker comes out determined to win this game. And, you know, you know the kind of guy he is. He's going to like playing spoiler, too. So Yeah, exactly. And Geno, has, Geno Smith has never played a big game in his career. This is really his first time getting legitimate snaps as a starter and even when he did earlier in his career on the Jets, they were no good. So, yeah, I think Baker definitely comes in with the advantage of playing under pressure. So, and he just—he's always been a guy to just—he almost just likes pissing people off. Like he's just gonna want to ruin their season. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, Seattle is a little bit banged up. Tyler Lockett's questionable, which is uh, definitely would be a hit to Seattle if he can't go because mm-hmm. that's Geno's either number one or number two target depending on the week. Yep. Uh. And then another thing I saw was that the last time that these two guys met, uh, John Wolford was at quarterback for the Rams, and he threw two picks, no touchdowns. He only had like 170 yards they passing. They only lost that by like four too, right? Right. They only lost the game by four. So I think all Baker really needs to do is limit the mistakes, and I think that the Rams definitely compete in this game. Yeah, that, that'd be so awesome. And I did look it up for you, and uh, 
the last time the Browns even won a playoff game before Baker's win was 94. So, yeah, there you go. Too mad at Baker in Cleveland. Yeah, I I thought they were too quick to rush him out. Uh, One more note on that. Last time Seattle played the Rams, they struggled to get the run game going. Seattle did. Only had 90 rushing yards, which I think is necessary to complement a quarterback like Geno. He's not a do-it-all quarterback. So if Seattle wants to win this game, they got to run the ball a little bit better. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, But I think I'm going to take the Rams in this game. I think the Rams pull off the upset. Rams plus six is the line, so definitely take them to cover, and I think they win 27-24. I would love that because going into our next thing here, that just makes Lions and Green Bay a playoff game. Yeah, exactly. And that's uh, that would definitely set the stage for this game. 8-20 yes. kick on NBC. Green and Bay. It would be just ending, too, because it's a 4-25. Right, game. yeah, exactly. So... I mean, I'm sure the players will know the result of that game. Oh, yeah. um, and regardless, I don't think the Dan Campbell's going to have a problem getting his guys fired up to play, even if they do get eliminated, because they're going to want to knock out the Packers. They're not going to want to see the Pack in it. So, exactly. But Green Bay coming in, they're the hottest team in football. They played a phenomenal game, like I highlighted on episode one, against the Vikings. But the Lions are arguably the second hottest team coming in. They've been playing great football ever since before Thanksgiving, starting in that Giants game. And they really only had that one clunker in Carolina, but they've been playing great football for a stretch of about two months now. Yeah, I mean, it's just so sad from me being a Lions fan. You look back and you're like, obviously there's Carolina, but you go back further, I think it was like week four when we played Seattle, which is why when we lost, which is why we have the disadvantage in the tiebreaker category. That game, dude, we scored 45 points and lost in an NFL game. Yeah, I do remember watching that one. It was quite the highest-scoring game. I had DK Metcalf in fantasy, so I was pretty happy that week. Yeah, I mean, it was just that defense being terrible to start the year might end up costing us a playoff spot. We'll see, but that's just crazy to think back on. But, yeah. Yeah, one thing I did do some research on to note the Lions are 6 and 12 in cold weather games since 2008 which is fourth worst in the NFL. I think that's partially attributed to them playing despite in a cold weather state they play in a dome. So I don't think they are necessarily accustomed to practicing in the cold weather, but um that's definitely something to note cuz it's projected to be about 25 degrees at kickoff. Yeah, I mean the only the only uh like I guess counter I would have to that stat is the Lions record is just bad anyway, like in any game. So <laughs> That's true. That's true. Definitely, so, definitely a good point. But yeah, I don't like the dome. I like Lambeau's awesome. Play outside, Soldier Field, play outside in the NFC North. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, Carolina was cold and we got smoked, so you could be onto something there. Yeah, and then uh, Lions had uh, Frank Ragnow and Jeff Okuda, both questionable. Those are two pretty big contributors for them, so hopefully they can go because you never want to see a game dictated by injuries. You want to see both teams no. at full strength. Oh, yeah, and, uh, dude, Okuda's been – Okuda, hopefully he goes and plays well because there have been a couple games where Okuda's kind of just been not good at all, but he can be, so we need him to go and be good. 
Yeah, I mean, he can definitely has the potential. I, I think it was that Minnesota game where he really locked down Jefferson. Everyone mm-hmm. kind of opened their eyes. They were like, wow, that was that was yeah. a really big game out of him, showing that uh, third overall pick potential. Yeah. Um, Lions defense allows 150 yards per game, which I think definitely plays to the Packers' strength because rush, uh, yards. rush, rush yards. yards, yes. Um, definitely plays, plays to the Packers' strength because uh, they got a nice little two-back system going there with Jones and Dylan. So we'll see if the Lions can make um, any necessary adjustments to kind of slow that down and force Rodgers to beat him over the top with some young wide receivers. Well, let's just put it this way. That is what is so scary to me because Carolina run game, I mean, the week before we played them, I think they had like 26 rushing yards. And then at halftime, they had like 320 against us. And with Jones and Dylan and I don't know, I'm a little scared if you can't tell. Yeah, Rodgers in his career is 18 and 7 against the Lions, and he's only lost to them twice in uh, the same season one time, and that was 2018, the year that he was hurt. I believe he broke his collarbone, and I don't even know if he played both games against the Lions, but that was the only time that the Packers have lost. Twice I think we were both garbage that year. I'm I'm pretty sure you started. Um, didn't you have Deshaun Kaiser or something starting? It was either Deshaun Kaiser or Brett Hundley. Yeah. Okay. So I just looked it up. So 2018, the last game of the year, we beat you 31 to zero, but we were six and ten. You were six nine and one. And yeah, it says Rodgers threw the ball five times and Deshaun Kaiser threw it 35 times. So right. So there you go. Rodgers has never really lost to the Packers twice in the same season at full strength. That's the stat that we'll go with. Yeah. Um, Score prediction on this one. Uh, I'm going to take Green Bay in the points, minus 4.5. I think Green Bay comes out. They got the momentum. I think Rodgers really wants to get this team into the playoffs. So I think they I think they take care of business pretty handily, 34-17. Okay, I'm going to give you a um... – prediction that i want to see happen and a prediction that i'm scared is going to happen so what i what i think the lions are capable of i think they're capable of coming out and winning this game not in the fashion their first meeting i don't even know that was just ridiculous like 15 to 9 rogers couldn't get going you couldn't even really get your run game going but so if the lions defense can play like that not that well but well enough they could win like 31 27 but i don't know man if you guys get running downhill on first and second down and never even really get into third and long situations letting guys like hutch and james houston get pressure i think it could get i think it could get yeah kind of ugly for the detroit with a and a sad end of the season but yeah i mean Credit to Detroit, though. They put together a season, especially starting out 1-5 and five the way they did. The future's definitely bright in the Motor City. Yeah, I mean, it looked bad, bad for a while. Like, yeah, so it is what it is. We'll see. I'm, I'm excited. I'm just not, like, overflowing with confidence, as I don't think any Lions fan is. But Yeah, I can't, can't wait to watch that one. Um, yeah. I think that's all we got. I'm going to do a quick rundown of all of my uh, – picks for uh if any of the listeners want to ride want to ride my picks this week see if we can win some money uh for the national championship game i'm going to take tcu plus 14 and a half but i've got georgia winning the game 31 20 
Uh, Titans, Jags, I'm going to take Tennessee plus six and a half. Uh, Jacksonville wins 24-20. Um, Bills, Patriots, I got Bills minus seven. Uh, I got Jets plus three and a half in the Jets-Dolphins game. Uh, Pittsburgh minus two and a half in the Browns game. Uh, Rams plus six and Green Bay minus four and a half. Yeah. Um, um, before we wrap it up, can I just circle back to college football for a second? Yeah, go ahead. And just go to that Michigan TCU game because I I just want to uh, hear your thoughts as a Michigan student and fan, obviously. Um, but I'm kind of sitting there watching, and your what was that? Your first or second drive when you got down there and got stopped on fourth and goal. First drive, yeah. First drive, I. I was just, like, sitting there with a bunch of Michigan fans, but as an MSU fan, just sitting there like, why did they – I don't understand the play call from Harbaugh or the OC, like, whatever. Why did you go to the trick play in the first quarter, like, when you guys were supposed to be a superior team with a superior O-line and run game? No, I agree 100%, and I said that in episode one. I thought that was a terrible yeah. call, especially when – you have the O-line that won the Joe Moore Award, and you've got Donovan Edwards, who's been on a tear in these past couple games. You you don't think you can get two yards with Edwards? I just yeah, thought that was weird. And, like, the thing is, like, in the first quarter, too, like, maybe third, fourth quarter, and you guys hadn't been successful, like, maybe I understand going to the trick play, but on your first drive, it that almost just seemed like, that almost signaled to me, like, Michigan was, like, not ready for, like, what was going to happen, and... I think that, I mean, obviously that gave TCU a jolt of energy. And then also down, like, what were you saying? That was like your third string running back you gave it to on the muffed exchange after the. Yeah, he was a former linebacker that we converted into a a goal line. That just, oof. I don't know. I think some questionable coaching there. And then you did come on and talk about the refs. And I'm never a guy to, to, uh, go out of my way to talk about how Michigan should have had a better result. But that dude, that was a touchdown. That was targeting. Like I, what was going on? I know a lot of, a lot of questionable stuff going on in that game. It's definitely, uh, definitely tough to watch from, like, from targeting. my perspective. Yeah. Oh, I dude, when they came out and said, there's no targeting on the play, I almost like fell over. I was like, there's no way. And then you go the next, the very next day or two days later. Did you see that Tulane USC one right at the end of the game? Yeah, I mean the guy that, got absolutely rocked, and I was like, "How is that?" Down the helmet, and they like, I they need to fix targeting in college. Right, football. yeah, and then you have the Marvin Harrison one too. I think that the New Year Six yeah. games really just highlighted the need for a complete yeah. overhaul of targeting in college football. Unbelievable. All right, well, if that's all that you've got, I think. Uh, We'll wrap it up here. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to follow the socials uh, at Electric Factory Pod on Instagram, at Electric Pod on Twitter. Um, as always, rate, review, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And uh, Liam, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Yep. All right. We'll be back uh, either on Tuesday or Wednesday to uh, recap the national championship and then uh, go over uh, seating for the NFL playoffs. So uh, we'll see you guys all then.